Southeast Mortgage, the official home loan lender of the Georgia Bulldogs. Presents today's sports report. On today's program, we'll talk about University of Georgia football and more. And now, from the studios of UGA Football News, on Facebook and Instagram, here's the host of today's sports report, Chris Hall. All right, welcome to today's sports report on UGA Football News on Facebook and Instagram. I'm Chris Hall, your host. Good to have you with us today. Our program is brought to you by Southeast Mortgage, the official home loan lender of the Georgia Bulldogs. When it comes time to finance or refinance your home, you know where to go, southeastmortgage.com slash UGA. And we're more than happy. We can't tell you how happy we are to have with us today a great Georgia Bulldog legacy, one of the great uh, Georgia Bulldog quarterbacks uh, in the history of the Bulldogs. Uh, We welcome to our program a man who needs no introduction to Bulldog fans, Aaron Murray joining us today. Aaron played quarterback for UGA uh, 2010 to 2013, finished his college career as Georgia and uh, the SEC's all-time leading passer in uh, passing yards and touchdowns, uh, drafted by the Kansas City uh, Chiefs, uh, currently a color commentator for CBS Sports. Uh, He and Drew Butler do a great job uh, with a podcast, a very popular podcast, Punt and Pass College Football Podcast. And Aaron now is involved in something I can't wait to hear about. It's called NFTs. So, Aaron, I said you didn't need any introduction, but then I introduced you. So, <laughs> welcome to our program. I uh, appreciate you having me. Uh, happy holidays. Merry Christmas to everyone listening. And it should be a, a very exciting next week and a half. So, ready to go for that ball game? Yeah, well, we're looking forward to it. And we'll get into uh, talking a little bit about uh, the uh, Orange Bowl coming up and the anticipation that we have for that uh, game, the first uh, the semi uh, semifinal rounds of the college football playoffs. But first of all, uh, let's talk a little about uh, something uh, new that you're involved in. And to be honest with you, for, for someone like me, I got to do a lot of studying on this. It's called NFT, non-fungible tokens. And, and words are being thrown around like cryptocurrency and the DGD mafia and the players lounge and all of that. You're very much involved in this. So educate us a little bit now. Now, what are we talking about and what is this new venture that you're involved in? Oh, I tell you, it, it rolls off your tongue very nicely. So you do sound like a, a professional, someone who knows the space. So Ty Fricks, who was the long snapper, my roommate back at Georgia, is 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 very much a, uh, well, first of all, he's a lot smarter than I am. Uh, he's actually getting, gonna be a surgeon here the next couple months, but he has been mining Ethereum. So it, Ethereum is a cryptocurrency. Most people know Bitcoin as the main cryptocurrency. Well, he brought to my attention this NFT world. So you, you said it, non-fungible tokens. And when you think of it, or a lot of people think of it, they think of digital artwork. So a painting, but a painting or something that is on your computer and it's become really popular. Uh, So we wanted to take that and create what we call utility from it. So we have this incredible um, uh, digital artwork that we've created and that we're gonna bring to market on January 9th, but the utility with it, what you can actually do from it, so it's it's a token, is first off, uh, 50% of everything we make is going to be going back to the football players. So for your average fan, you can say, hey, listen, I may not have the, the the resources to go help fund Georgia as they continue to expand the Butts Mirror or the, the stadium or whatnot, but 
by me buying this NFT, this digital artwork, I'm putting money into the player's pocket. So that's our goal. There's there's other companies that are doing something similar, but they're only giving like 5% to the players. And we are giving 50% of everything we make are going. We signed Stetson, we signed uh, Brock Bowers, Zamir White. So we're gonna send, sign 10 guys, like I said, that we're gonna split all proceeds. So that's, that's the first uh, initiative and utility of, of our tokens. The second is when you own one of our NFTs, you're going to be invited to certain experiences uh, and, and, and player engagements, whether it's current and former engage, player engagements. So uh, you can get signed memorabilia, uh, tailgate experiences, like I said, with current and former players, uh, signings, pictures, all that good stuff. So this token allows you to not only have this really cool artwork, but allows you to have access or access, excuse me, to like I said, current and former players. So it's a really cool thing. We're trying to, you know, help put money in the pockets of these current players as well. So check us out. It's it's the Players Lounge is the big uh, mothership, and then from that DGD Labs, um, DGD Mafia is is the Georgia brand where you could buy these NFTs. Like I said, that will roll out on January 9th. Hey, cool. And uh, that, of course, is uh, the day for uh, the national championship game when Georgia will be playing Cincinnati. <clears throat> but we'll get to that later. So, uh, it, it, so this is so cool. This is a way that uh, that fans for the University of Georgia can can really get involved, uh, get, uh, communicate with, have a kind of a relationship with former and current players, and also at the same time, they have really support uh, the the current players and and give them some uh, financial support and just show some love and support uh, to them. Now. Aaron, where was this when you were playing? <laughs> I mean, I mean, really, you know, I know the NIL thing is a big thing now. Oh, yeah. I, I, yeah, this is part of it. But wouldn't it have been cool for you to have the op and people, you know, were giving us these dire predictions of how the NIL was going to ruin college football. Haven't seen that yet. And thank I mean, In fact, I think it's been very, very good. Uh, well, I, I know you're close to it, right? Yeah, well, you didn't go back to us. We want to create a community. I mean, that's the, right. there is a gap between the players and the fans, and we want to be able to bridge that a little bit more, and that goes back to the utilities. So we're excited about that. But, man, yeah, I, I would have loved having some of the chances that these guys have to go out there and, and make money off my name, image, and likeness, uh, to see some of the deals that are flowing, especially being a quarterback in the SEC. Uh, for me, I was very fortunate to play four years and, and as you alluded to, have a couple records. Um, so that would have helped when I went to certain companies like, hey, uh, I, I like your stuff. Um, you know, let's see if we can work a deal out. So these kids, I think, are, are very savvy nowadays. They're smart. They're doing a good job with it. Uh, and, and I think it's just the beginning. And when you talk about the NIL being different, the whole college world, to me, it's, it's so foreign. And, 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 you know, I'm 31 years old, so I played eight years ago, but NIL, the transfer portal, uh, being able to play immediately if you do transfer, um, all this stuff that's going on has really changed college football. And like I said, man, I, I played eight years ago, so it's not like I'm ancient by any means, but it, it just feels like we've moved in a completely new direction. I don't think it's bad for the game. I think a lot of this stuff nowadays obviously benefits the players, and I'm all for players being able to, one, like I said, make money off their name, image, and likeness, and two, it, take advantage of the ability to transfer and go play right away. Yeah, that's cool. Well, let's get into a couple of other things that we want to touch on quickly. First of all, I, I did want to talk with you a little bit about recruiting. Now, we have the early signing period, of course, uh, that just uh, came the, this past Wednesday. 
Georgia uh, cur currently has the uh, third-ranked recruiting class behind Texas A&M and Alabama. Again, Georgia loads up, had a tremendous recruiting uh, class. Seems like they hit all of their intended targets. They missed on a couple of guys they would have loved to, loved to have. Uh, but a, a great uh, recruiting class. Uh, traditional signing days coming up February 2nd, so we're not through yet with recruiting. Wanted to get your opinion on uh, the recruiting class that uh, Georgia just uh, has, has signed for 2022. And get your, your, your you've already mentioned the, the, the transfer portal. And already we've seen Alabama got a couple of stellar players in the uh, transfer portal here recently. South Carolina picked up a couple from Oklahoma. You know, what about this recruiting class and how has the transfer uh, portal really changed, I guess, recruiting and just college football as a whole? Well, I was hoping Georgia would get Gibbs from, from Georgia Tech. Yeah. That's that's the one time that I was like, okay, we, we'll yeah. we'll take in a formal bubble bee and, and let him put the red and black on because <laughs> yeah. uh, he's a talented back. Alabama, yes. I mean, Nick Nick said it last year, like Alabama is going to benefit more than anyone else from this new rule because if they ever have an issue with a, a certain position with a lack of depth or a starter moving on to the NFL, they are going to get first dibs at that position with when it comes to guys being in the transfer portal. Obviously, they got Gibbs from from Georgia Tech. Uh, to, to replace some of the running backs they'll lose this year. So the uh, the rich will continue to get richer. Uh, I, like I said earlier, I love the fact that these kids have the ability to kind of take control of their careers. Yeah, because we've seen it this year. I mean, how many times have we seen coaches pick up and leave? They get a better opportunity to go somewhere else. Lincoln Riley leaves Oklahoma, goes to USC. Um, you know, uh, Brian Kelly leaves Notre Dame to go to LSU. And these players who were promised the whole time they were recruited, like, hey, I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to be there for four years. I'm going to make you a better football player. I'm going to make you a better man. And then these coaches have the ability to pick up and move. And you're kind of stuck wondering, hey, will this new coaching staff, will I fit in with them? Will I fit in with their scheme, personality, all that stuff? So the fact that you can transfer play right away, I absolutely love it. One time, uh, make it happen, benefits the players. But when it comes to Georgia's recruiting, uh, that, that, that is what Kirby does so well. And, and you see it once again, another top, it depends on where you look, top two, top three class in America, right there with Alabama and Texas A&M. They hit the spots they needed. They got talent at every position, it seems like. And, and, and I'm interested to see, do they hit the portal with some spots here the next couple months, heading into summer as well. But they're, it's, it's a loaded roster right now. And, and the thing with that, that I love when I go watch practice, uh, whether it's in spring or fall camp, is the competition that Kirby's able to create. I mean, you got five stars going against five stars over and over. And I talked to, you know, I was with Stetson the other day and I was kind of asking, you know, what's practice been like? And he said, man, we've, we've done good on good. So ones versus ones, twos versus twos, threes versus threes for the past week, you know, really haven't gotten into the, the, the game planning just yet when it comes to getting ready for Michigan. And it's just, it's a grind, man. You are going against Five, some of the best players in the country every single day in practice. And, and I always have the belief that, you know, iron sharpens iron. And yeah. he is just, like I said, he's done a great job of keeping guys on the roster, keeping the competition going. And 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 this recruiting class is only going to help that going forward. And it's almost like when you play a game, it's a relief. You get re yeah. you get relief from practice, you know, when you go into a, yeah. a ball game. Uh, one other thing about recruiting, uh, it just and, and this shocked, I guess, the entire nation. Deion Sanders flipping uh, Travis Hunter, uh, the nation's number one recruit who had been committed to Florida State. 
And Dion goes and, and gets this guy from his alma mater, Florida State, to come to Jackson State, uh, the, the first historically, uh, you know, black college and university uh, to sign, uh, that college to sign a number one recruit. What did you think about that? That You know, Dion showing out, uh, very, very interesting, don't you think? I, I love it, man. Dion, I always say to people, like, like listen, if, if Payne Manning or, say, Tom Brady was the head coach at a smaller university, like, I would, I if I was a high school kid, I would look to see, like, oh, my gosh, I need to take a visit there to see if that's a possible fit because I get to learn from the best that played the position at the highest of highest levels. And that's the same thing that Dion did. Obviously, Dion's one of the best DBs of all time. If you have a chance to go there and learn from him, I mean, why why not take that opportunity? And, and, and it goes back to our conversation when it comes to the, the, the one-time transfer. You could go there, Jackson State, and play for one year, play for two years, learn everything you can from Dion, have a great time, and it obviously shines a, a ton of light onto the HBCUs, and then say, hey, listen, I want to go play at Alabama or Georgia or Florida State. I want to go play at a D1 school for one year and get that experience as well before I take my talents onto the NFL. No one in my mind would be mad at him for doing that. Yeah. Uh, so I think he's in a win-win situation right now. I think that the, to me, I don't know if he's going to do this. Maybe he stays all three years, four years at Jackson State. Who knows if Dion is even going to be the coach there in the next year or two with the, 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 the success that he's had. I'm just saying, I think the, the, the world right now is in the palm of this kid's hands. Super talented, gets to learn from Dion, and, and like I said, has a, a, the opportunity a year or two to pick up and go play D1 football at a, at a big time program and try to win a national championship before he goes on to the NFL. You know what, I love Dion. Uh, I loved him as a player, as a baseball player and a, a football player. But I love his, I love his work uh, ethic. You know, you read some of the things that he says about, you know, showing up, doing your job, Quit whining, quit complaining. You're you're blessed, man. I love that old school ethic uh, that Dion has and he brings to his uh, football team. Let's talk a little bit about the Orange Bowl, of course, uh, coming up uh, December 31st, Friday, December 31st, 7:30 p.m. on ESPN. I wish it was on CBS so you could handle the thing, but that's all right. Well, I would uh, love it. Trust me. Yeah. Do you have any? By the way, do you have any bowl games uh, on your schedule? To uh, no, unfortunately. So, so speaking of, I did get the one Georgia versus Auburn game this year, which I had a right. blast calling that one. Um, but CBS only has one bowl game. Crazy. I know ESPN just hogs all the damn bowl games. Yeah. So uh, we get one game that Gary and Brad handle. So. Uh, I will be going down to Orlando, or excuse me, Orlando, to uh, to Miami for the Orange Bowl, uh, and 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 tying it real back, real quick before you jump into it, uh, I'm actually giving away one ticket to sit with me at the Orange Bowl. Cool. So get to come to the game with me. Uh, go check out my Instagram, Aaron Murray Eleven, and I got the details there and how you could possibly win the ticket. Come hang out, and uh, we'll break down some football, enjoy the game, enjoy a uh, hopefully a great dogs victory. Yeah, now is the popcorn and the hot dog on you? you you'll take care of that? I'll take care. Someone messaged me like, are you taking care of the plane flight? I'm like, no, 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 no. I'm not taking care of the plane flight. Uh, you, you do everything. Can, you can do the plane flight in the hotel yourself. I got you the ticket. It's a good seat. Really, We're lower bowl, great seat. And uh, yeah, I'll take care of your food in the concessions. But Very good. you got to figure a way to get your butt down there. I understand. I, and, and most people that can sit with you at that game, they'll make a way. I promise you. So obviously, we got number two, Michigan. Taking on number three, Georgia. This is the first round of the college football semifinals. Uh, this is the semifinal of the college football playoffs. 
Michigan, very good team, obviously, coming out of the Big Ten. Coach Jim Harbaugh, he threw a big monkey off his back when he beat Ohio State and has made it to the playoffs. Uh, pretty good, pretty good lineup. I mean, they're they're stocked. Uh, Cade McNamara, the quarterback, had a pretty decent rear uh, year. The running backs, uh, Haskins and Corum, boy, that that's that's a dynamic duo in the backfield. And of course, on the defensive side, you got Aiden Hutchinson, and a pretty a pretty stellar defense uh, for yep. Michigan. You know, right now Georgia, I think, is like a seven point favorite. I, you know, I think this is this is going to be a slugfest for me as I, you know, as an amateur. Uh, looking at it from my living room, I think this is going to be a pretty tough game, toe-to-toe, nose-to-nose kind of game. Uh, what, is, what is your take on it? Yeah, listen, to me, these two teams are very similar. I mean, they are carbon copies of each other. They want to be very physical at the lines of scrimmage. Offensively, they want to run the football, then play the pass, take some shots afterwards. Uh, you said, I mean, Cade is really, you know, early in the season, Michigan, they just ran the ball over and over and over again, really never let him you know, flourish early on and maybe they were protecting him a little bit, let him get his feet wet. And I would say about middle to, towards the end of the season, they started to open it up. And I was like, man, this kid's actually pretty good. Like he's accurate, has good velocity on the football, uh, is pretty darn special. I think the receivers are a little bit average, which is part of the reason why maybe they don't let him open it up as much. Uh, you said as well, very good defense, but built identical to Georgia. Like I said, want to run the football, uh, want to, to, to control the lines of scrimmage, play big, play great defense, slow down the run. Um, I just think in my mind, they're the same, but Michigan's the poor man's version of Georgia. Like Georgia's a little bit bigger and a little bit more athletic. And, and to me, that gives me confidence. Like for Michigan, in my mind, to line up and just run the ball against Georgia's front seven, I don't see that happening. As we've seen, if you want to beat Georgia, you can't just think you can just line up and, and play old school football. You have to do what Alabama did. You, you have to have explosive plays. Uh, and, and that's really the only way. If you think you're going to have like a 12 to 15 play, four or five minute drive against that defense, I just don't see that happening. you got to be able to hit chunk plays, 20, 30, 40 yard plays against this defense. And I just don't think that Michigan really has that type of talent at the receiving spot to win those one-on-one matchups. I, I, to me, I think that's an issue, and I also think Georgia's pissed off. Honestly, you know, I, I think they, I think they was a wake up call. Uh, I think that they went into that game versus Alabama maybe a little bit too confident, seeing that hey, Alabama struggled. Uh, they have struggled to protect the quarterback. They've struggled to run. Uh, defense has been hot and cold this year. And I think they got punched in the mouth, and, and they just were not ready to play a four quarter game. And that, to me, that was the biggest concern I had heading into the SC championship game. Georgia has yet to play four quarters of football yeah. besides the game versus Clemson. Like, are they in shape to do that? And I think they weren't in shape. I think their legs started to wear on them third, fourth quarter, and then Alabama just kind of ran away with it from there. So I think it was a great wake up call for the Bulldogs. I think they're gonna be ready to go mentally and physically for this game. I And I'll say it once again, they're the same team, but Georgia's just a little bit more physical and a little bit more athletic. So it could be close. I wouldn't be surprised if it's close, and I wouldn't be surprised if Georgia wins like 31 to 14. Yeah. Uh, that, that, we'll go with the second one. Uh, now, of course, we've got the news today uh, that uh, JT Daniels has uh, tested positive for COVID. Uh, George Pickens has as well, and some of the staff support. And uh, there may be other players who have tested positive. So we're kind of like, you know, we're, we're kind of like, I, I don't know, 10, 12 days out. Uh, that's going to limit their ability to practice. Uh, 
and you know, for me, it, it's 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 kind of weird that we're at this point in the season. You're going into a, the college football semi uh, semifinals, uh, the playoff semifinals, and you still have a a quarterback controversy. I don't want to call it a controversy, but a lot of discussion about who's going to play quarterback for Georgia. You know, it's weird that you're at this point in your season and you're still having that. But I think COVID may have just made the decision. We'll see Stetson Bennett under center against Michigan, don't you think? Yeah, I thought regardless, if, if, if JT did not have this issue with COVID, I thought Stetson was going to be the guy. I mean, I understand because I'm a quarterback. The quarterback always gets blamed and we also get the glory when, when we do win. But Stetson's play against Alabama was not the reason why Georgia lost. Absolutely. D-line struggled. I mean, the fact they got no sacks versus Alabama is, is kind of embarrassing. DBs, blown coverage left and right. I thought our receivers were very average for the game. I mean, Brock was really the only one that was able to create any kind of separation for the majority of the game. You know, Stetson has to take care of the football. He knows that. But right. he wasn't the reason that they lost the game. Everyone else has to really set their game up because – this isn't an offense for Georgia that plays well from behind. I mean, they're not an offense that can go, you know, big play for big play against a team like Alabama. Like Georgia's defense, has, if they get a shot to go against Alabama again, the defense has to play better and limit the explosive plays and keep it to a game that's like, you know, 28 to 24. Yeah. If you get in the 30s against Alabama, Georgia just doesn't have the horses on offense to keep up with them like that. So Stetson's a guy. I I got faith in him. I know the, the the team has faith in him. The coaching staff has faith in him. So I don't think it's a controversy. People just love to talk about it, obviously. Yeah. But I'm gonna I'm gonna keep riding that horse until the season's over with. You know, I, I was thinking about that the other day. It, it's a controversy on social media with podcasts and things like that. But in the program itself, with Kirby and the staff and the players, it's not a controversy. They yeah. know who their quarterback is. And so um, uh, you know, go get them Stetson. We're we're pulling for him. He's had a great season, a tremendous story, and uh, we love Stetson Bennett and what he's done so far. We're going to ride him, uh, hopefully, to the championship. Now, you got Dan Lanning, of course, going to Oregon, but he's not going to go to Oregon as the head coach until after the season. Is that weird? I mean, you, you got Dan. He, he's going to be the defensive uh, you know, coordinator through the playoffs, but he's got this other position. Is that a weird thing, uh, or is it detrimental to the team? Can they handle that? What What is your take on that situation? Yeah, I think they can. And the good thing is, you know, Kirby, similar to Alabama, has so many coaches on staff to help the burden when, with Dan Lanning because you know he understands he's trying to get his program running for Oregon, and, and there's the early signing day, there's putting the staff together, all that goes into being a head coach of a program. I mean, you are the CEO, but you got Muschamp on staff. Obviously, Kirby's a defensive mind. So I'm guessing, and I don't know this for sure, I'm guessing that there's some other support from those coaches to take maybe some of the burden off landing to help him game plan. Plus, you got, you know, extra couple of weeks to, to, to continue to game plan and get ready for Michigan. So I'm not too worried about it. Uh, obviously, if it was a distraction, uh, these guys are professional enough to say, hey, listen, this isn't the best way to do this. Maybe you should just focus on your career at Oregon and getting that program off. It's, you know, program ready to go for the 2022 season. So I guarantee you, like I said, there was conversations had about, listen, if you're going to stay, this is what we expect. When you're in the building, it's about getting ready for Michigan. When you're out the building and at home, then you can start you know, doing what you need to do to get Oregon ready to go for spring, summer, and, and, and obviously the season next year. So uh, like I said, they got a plan ready to go. I trust them that they'll be ready. And, and, and plenty of support staff as well to make sure that defense is ready to go for the Wolverines. 
you know, and Dan, Dan's a great guy and he's a good coach. And he, he, I know he's taking care of business and his his full attention. And like you say, when he's when he's there uh, with the team is is uh, on uh, the University of Georgia. Uh, but let's turn the page a little bit and uh, let's go to the other semifinal game. You got the Cotton Bowl again Friday, December thirty first. This will be at three thirty on ESPN. So you got Alabama, number one of the nation. Seventh playoff berth uh, uh, after winning the SEC championship game, taking on the Cincinnati Bearcats, uh, the first uh, group of five participant since the playoff era began in 2014. So here you go. You got Alabama and Cincinnati. The latest line I saw was somewhere around 14 points, Alabama being the favorite. But you know, Alabama, you know, you can't explain the Alabama that played Auburn and then the Alabama that played Georgia. I mean, uh, you know, it looked like almost two different kind of teams. So which Alabama are we going to get? Are we going to get the dominant Alabama that played against Georgia? Or the one that struggled against Auburn? Of course, you know, that's a big rivalry game. So you expect it, uh, you know, to be a slugfest. What do you think about this game? Uh, does Cincinnati have a shot <laughs> in winning this game? What do you think? Well, I agree. I mean, Alabama first game, I remember the first game of the season versus Miami, watching that, I was like, oh my goodness, like, can anyone beat Alabama this year? Like, they look so dominant on both sides. And they play the close game versus Florida. Obviously, they lose to A&M. Um, then they go, they, they start kicking butt. They kicked Ole Miss's butt. They kicked Mississippi State's butt. But then they went to another lull. They almost lost to LSU. They almost lost to Auburn. And then they come out and, and, and play extremely well versus Georgia when the SC championship game. So I'm really like, I don't know what Alabama we're going to get. If it's the Alabama that played versus Miami and, and or not AM, but um, Ole Miss, Mississippi State, and Georgia, you know, they, they can beat anyone in the country, obviously. Right. But if it's those other games, you know, yeah, Cincinnati can beat them. Cincinnati's a very good football team. You know, this is, I, I've been rooting for Cincinnati to get in the playoffs for a couple of years now. Yeah. I think Fickle's a tremendous coach. I think Desmond Ritter is a great quarterback. They got some skill around him. Defensively, they got a, a, a pair of very talented corners that I think match up better on the back end than say what Georgia did on, on our on our back end. So I think that gives Cincinnati some confidence that maybe they can slow down the aerial attack that Alabama has. I just think athlete to athlete and size wise, Alabama obviously has the advantage. You know, they got way more stars and way more dudes on that team than Cincinnati does. But this is a Cincinnati team that I was impressed with, like I said. For the past couple of years, I was impressed the way they handled Georgia last year in the bowl game. I know Georgia wasn't maybe at full strength in the game, but still, they went toe to toe with them here in Atlanta, uh, and I think that gives them some confidence that they could, you know, keep it a somewhat close game versus the Crimson Tide. So I think the biggest question is, is still if if the Alabama that played against Georgia shows up, most likely it's a it's a double digit win, but. I just don't have confidence that that's the Alabama we're going to see. Like I said, we've only seen that Alabama team five times this year. For the majority of the season, we've seen Alabama play very good football. I'll say good football because they're winning the football games. They're not easy games to win, but it's not at an elite level. So I don't know. Alabama wins. I, I'll tell you that. I, I have faith it's going to be Alabama in, in the national championship game. It just may be a close game. It may be a blowout depending on which which Crimson Tide we get. So in the uh, national championship game, you've got a rematch, Alabama yeah. and Georgia. And, uh, you know, if that if that's the case, Alabama, Georgia in the rematch, 
I mean, how, how critical of a game is that for Georgia? I, you, you know, here, here you, 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 you had a terrible time against Alabama trying to win against Alabama. What a relief would it be for Georgia actually to beat Alabama in the national championship game? Oh, I mean, feel, yeah, it feel awesome. I mean, one, to get the yeah. monkey off your back, you talk about, you know, uh, with, with Hardball at Michigan, finally beating Ohio State, being able to win the conference championship, like just a breather, like, oh, my goodness, I can stop with the discussions about, you know, can you finally beat one of your rivals? So I think that was obviously huge for him. I think the same thing would be for Kirby and Georgia. Like, can you just break through? Obviously, there's fans out there that said, hey, we hope Cincinnati can win. We feel better with that. I'm, I'm in the mindset of, listen, 90% chance that it's going to be Alabama. So, you know, might as well not be wishing for something that's probably not going to happen. And and also it'd be good just to beat Alabama and get it over with. Yeah. And, and as we all know, it's not easy to beat a team twice in a season. Uh, obviously, the loss of Menchie is going to hurt Alabama, not only this game, but if they do face Georgia again. And, and it goes back to our other point, too. Like, can Alabama replicate what they did versus Georgia in the SC Championship game? I don't know if they can do that. You know, Georgia's played really consistent football all year and then had one bad game. Yeah. So to me, I feel more confident that Georgia can get back to what they did for 12 straight weeks compared to Alabama and these one-off great games. So bring on the Crimson Tide. I think the dogs will be ready for them. I think they're just as good, if not better. And I think that if there is a rematch, you know, I, I'd still take Georgia in the victory. Yeah, I'm there with you. Uh, quickly, I did want to touch on, and as we come to the end of our program, they want to touch on the coaching the carousel that's been going on. Just get your quick opinion on some things. So you got Florida, uh, Dan Mullen out, Billy Napier coming in. Uh, Napier, you know, what do you think about Billy Napier at Florida? So I, I actually did a, a great interview. I had a good time with him last week, uh, chatting with him. Good dude. Obviously, he's known as recruiting. Um, you know, I, I was a fan of Dan. I thought Dan was a very good coach, a great when it comes to obviously putting points on the board. I thought it was a little bit premature in my mind to fire Coach Mullen. But, you know, that's that's the, the, the world we live in today. You know, if, yeah. if, if you ain't winning championships and it's year three, they're going to be looking for someone else, uh, which is unfortunate. Um, you know, he, he's got a tall task in front of him, Coach Napier. Obviously, we all know there is a major gap right now when it comes to talent between Georgia and Florida. And the rest of the East is getting better. Kentucky, that's a nine-win team, has a chance oh, yeah. to win 10 games this year. Will Levis, their quarterback's back. I think Kentucky's going to be very good next year. Tennessee, with Hennon Hooker coming back. I think Tennessee is going to be a very good team next year. So all of a sudden you're saying Georgia's one, Kentucky's two, Tennessee's three, and then maybe Florida is the fourth team in the East. So he's got a lot of work to do. I think he's got to hit the transfer portal extremely hard these next couple you know, months heading into the summertime to start bridging the gap. And then from there, next year's recruiting class has to be really darn good for Florida because like we've talked about before, I mean, Georgia is not slowing down when it comes to the recruiting trail. Hey, and I, I love what Beamer is doing at South Carolina. You know, he's kind of changing the attitude uh, in, in South Carolina. All right, you got LSU, Orgeron out, Brian Kelly coming in from Notre Dame. Uh, you know, I've, I've seen a lot of reports, you know, giving uh, A-pluses to uh, Brian Kelly uh, going to LSU. I'm not so sure about that. I mean, yeah, of course, you know, I'm from way, way telescopically away from, you know, all of this, but... Is Brian Kelly going to fit at LSU? What do you think about that one? So I, I, to me, what Brian Kelly did at Notre Dame is is absolutely incredible with 
you know, how tough it is to recruit to Notre Dame. You can't get the same type of athletes that you can to, you know, Georgia and LSU and to, to, uh, to Alabama. Like he got as far as he could, took him to a national championship, took him to a playoff. Uh, so uh, to me, in my mind, he's a top five coach in all of America. I think it's an excellent hire for them because uh, we know LSU has talent. The state of Louisiana has talent. The kids in those state, in that state, want to stay in Louisiana and play for the for the Tigers. So I think it's a great match. Uh, I think it was big for him to get uh, his quarterbacks to stay on the roster. Yeah. Obviously, Max Johnson left to go to AM, and uh, but I'm drawing a blank right now on Miles Brennan. That was yep. a huge get to get Miles Brennan to stay. They got a big time recruit uh, as well at the quarterback position. They got talent on the roster. You know that. I think with some great coaching from him and, and obviously him putting his staff together, I think it's a great hire. I think LSU is going to be competitive this year. Maybe not when it comes to getting to Atlanta to win a national championship, but it's. I think they're a team that has a chance to win nine, maybe 10 games. You get him one really good recruiting class after that, uh, it, it's going to be a dangerous team going forward. Uh, so I, I, to me, like I said, I think it's a great hire for the Tigers. Yeah, yeah, the SEC West, you got Alabama, Texas A&M, LSU stacking up. <laughs> That's going to be a lot of fun uh, watching uh, those guys fight it out. You know, after seeing Lincoln Riley's uh, contract that he got from USC, when I grow up, I want to be a football coach, college football coach. I mean, astronomical. So, you know, Lincoln Riley uh, from Oklahoma to USC. What do you think about that one? Well, you know, I, I was looking forward to him obviously joining the SEC with Oklahoma when they make the change. But for him to take his expertise in offense and quarterback play and, and be able to score points at Oklahoma to a place like USC in California that, you know, they have struggled keeping talent in the state of California. I mean, how many big time quarterbacks are we seeing? They're playing the SEC, they're playing the ACC, they're playing the Big Ten, the Big 12. Like, and, and you've already seen now too, recruits decommitting from certain schools and saying, hey, the fact that Lincoln Riley now is the coach at USC, we wanna be able to stay in state, stay close to home, uh, and play for a great coach. So I think it's a great fit for him. Obviously the, the amount of money and uh, the amount of jet time he gets is awesome. Uh, the house is I'm sure sweet, so it's a great deal. Yeah, and, and also the Pac-12 is struggling. So I think he can come in there immediately, make an impact, build a roster when it comes to uh, obviously recruiting and then also the, uh, the transfer portal where they'll be back up and running maybe this year, maybe next year when it comes to, to having a chance to win the Pac-12. Yeah, cool. And just one other, uh, Brent Venables going to Oklahoma. You know, I mean, he's been on the sideline at Clemson now for the defense as the uh, defensive coordinator for many, many years. Uh, Venables going to Oklahoma. Uh, well, yeah, yeah. See, I, so he's the one that I, I don't, I don't necessarily love. Maybe because he's just been a defensive coordinator for so long. I, I just envision him, envision him as a career defensive coordinator. So. I hope he does well. Wish him all the luck. It's just going to be a, obviously a tough transition for for that program, losing their head coach, new head coach, getting ready to join the SEC. It's a tall task. He's a great, obviously, defensive mind. Uh, you know, maybe I'm a little bit more biased to offensive guys becoming head coaches because that's kind of the name of the game as of late. But I wish him all the luck. Uh, that, but to me, that's probably my least favorite hire of all the hires that we've seen. Uh, here this, this 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 past month. Yeah, they, you know, there it does seem that there are some guys who are more suited to be coordinators and assistant coaches than they are head coaches. Well, it has been such a wonderful pleasure to have Aaron uh, Murray with us here on our program, Today's Sports Report, on Facebook and Instagram. 
brought to you by Southeast Mortgage, the official home loan lender of the Georgia Bulldogs. Uh, Aaron, thank you so much uh, for uh, being with us. I'm going to put my name in the hat to sit with you down at uh, the Orange Bowl. And uh, I, know know you, I know you want the NFTs too. I know you're yes, NFTs. absolutely. You absolutely. NFTs. Yeah, give us one more time where, where people can go to check out the NFTs. Well, you, to make it easier to just go to my social media account on my Instagram, Twitter, Aaron Murray 11. Uh, from there, you'll see a link to our social media play, uh, page for it's called the Players Lounge. Um, so go there, check it out. You get to see our artwork, which is awesome. Yeah, I checked uh, it out. Said, it's great. It's yeah, great. it's great artwork. Uh, we got a bunch of current and former dogs that are on board that are helping to uh, spread the message. Like I said earlier, you had a chance. Fifty percent of all proceeds go back to the players. Uh, put some money in the pocket, and then, then and, and like I said earlier too, uh, you have an opportunity to connect with both former and current players uh, through events that we'll be hosting all spring, heading into the 2022 season to really bring that engagement prospect uh, and, and build the bridge between current players, former players, and the fan base as well. So go check it out. Uh, you'll have fun. And uh, thanks for having me today. All right. Thank you, Aaron, for being with us. Until we uh, see you again, uh, of course, we always close our program with those wonderful words. Go dogs! Go dogs, baby! UGA Football News would like to thank Southeast Mortgage, the official home loan lender of the Georgia Bulldogs, for sponsoring our program today. When the time comes to finance or refinance your home, make the smart choice and get your home loan from Southeast Mortgage. Your friends at Southeast Mortgage are ready to help you. Visit southeastmortgage.com slash UGA today for more information. This and previous editions of today's sports report can be found at UGA Football News on Facebook and Instagram, on many leading podcast apps, and at todayssportsreport.com. Be sure to join us for our next program as we keep you up to date with University of Georgia football and more. Until then, be safe and go dogs. 